Some time ago, I introduced you to Saeed Aberdeen, and uh, many of you have probably heard his name in the news since then. He is an American citizen. He is an Iranian of Iranian descent, and he is a pastor, and he is serving a prison sentence in Iran. And his crime was in preaching Jesus. And for that, he has been given eight years in one of the worst prisons in the world. Uh, This past spring, the news came out of Iran that he had been beaten so badly by the guards that he had to be taken to the hospital. And uh, he has family back in Iran, and they were able to see just how bad it was. Um, And the hope at that point was maybe he would be released. If he was beaten that badly, maybe they would finally allow him to come back home. But instead, at the hospital, they nursed him back to health and then took him back to prison where they would beat him some more. And so far, there is no sign of release. Uh, And even though our government continues to speak to Iran, their Iranian government, about about many things, uh, our government doesn't seem all that interested in discussing Saeed Aberdeen's release. His wife, Nagme, travels around and she speaks and she encourages other people with their story. But this past spring, after he took that beating, she said this, The news is devastating to our family. This development also came to us, the beating also came to us as a complete shock. Saeed's family, who was present at the hospital when it occurred, witnessed the severe beatings that Saeed had received. At one point, seeing him collapse before being taken away, we are very concerned about his health. And the reality is, at this point, with the beatings and the torture that this man has experienced, even with the toll that it's taken on his health, even if he were released today, he's not going to be the same man. Not the same man that, that went into the prison. He never will be. He has been broken. He has been crushed, all in the name of of Jesus. It's not uncommon when you and I are going through difficult times for us to occasionally confess to others and say, I don't know how much more of this I can take. And it's not uncommon in those times for someone to encourage us with the words, well, you know what they say, God will not give you more than you can handle. I read stories like Saeed Aberdeen's And I think, really? How much more does God think this man can handle? How much more can his wife handle? How much more can those two children who haven't seen their father in two years, how much more can they handle? And then I look at 2,000 years of Christian history stained with the blood of martyrs, and I wonder, really? And I look at our own lives, our own trials, times when we feel like we just can't hold on anymore, and then God has piled on more and more. And I wonder, how much more does God think we can take? How much more does He think I can take? I want to warn you, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing feel-good about this, this sermon. I, I briefly considered putting up on the screen pictures of fluffy little bunny rabbits just to provide you with some entertainment, just to provide you with a little something extra. And say, look, there's a pretty bunny rabbit. Now let me tell you what the Bible says. There's nothing feel good about this message, but I want to be honest. The last thing I ever want to do 
is make hollow promises to you that the Bible does not support. I never want you to feel like a failure, like there's something wrong with you because you're holding on to a promise that just isn't there and you don't feel like you can take it anymore. The truth is, the Bible never says God won't give you more than you can handle. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. Jesus promised beatings, humiliations, rejections and trials, and that families would be torn apart. None of that says God will not give you more than you can handle. But what He does tell me is that there is a God that loves you. And a God that wants more for you than just your comfort. We get this idea, God will not give you more than you can handle from a passage in 1 Corinthians. And if you want to turn there, I'm just going to read it very quickly. But we get this idea from a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, where Paul says in that passage, in that context, no temptation has seized you, no temptation has overtaken you, but that which is common to man. And God is faithful... He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, He will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Let me be very clear. That passage is about sin and temptation. From adultery to idolatry and everything in between, that's what that passage is about. It doesn't speak of suffering. It doesn't speak of pain. It doesn't speak of sickness. It doesn't speak of torture. It doesn't speak of the the despair of life. And to turn it into a promise that God never made is not only wrong, it is harmful for those that are looking to God for real hope. And it completely ignores the reality of what Christ does call us to, which may include suffering. And it ignores what we have learned from those who have endured whether it be from Saeed Aberdini or whether it be from the Apostle Paul. If you turn on to the next book there, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 is where we're going to be today. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to begin in verse 8, and that is on page 964, if you're following along in those Bibles that we have in the pews. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul says in verse 8, For I do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope, and He will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessings granted us through the prayers of many. I read those words, and I see no promise of an easy life in those words. I see no promise of a, of a light burden or of the comforts of this world. I see this call from the Apostle Paul in the midst of his own despair. I see this call that Paul makes for us and for himself to rely on the one who is crushing you. I wonder if you've ever really considered just how much stress a phrase like, God will not give us more than we can handle. God will not give us more than we can bear. You ever realize just how much stress a phrase like that puts 
on a person. I mean, when we're down and out, when we're discouraged, when we're nearing the end of our rope, a phrase like that does not give us hope. It feels like we're not measuring up. God won't give you more than you can handle. Then why can't I handle this? What's wrong with me if I can't handle this at this moment? I know it's meant for encouragement, but those words can be very discouraging. It can also cause us to build a wall. If God won't give me more than I can handle, then why do I need God? Because if I can handle this myself, then I don't need Him. I can get by on my own. I don't need Him, and I don't need you guys either. Why don't you look at Paul's honesty about his pain here. Look again at verse 8. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers. Paul wasn't going to Paul was going to make sure that they understood what he had been through, that he wanted them to know exactly what he had been through. We do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. We despaired of life. What he's saying is, we didn't see a way out. We thought we were done for. There was no way out of the struggles that we were experiencing. I want you to consider something that Paul says in another letter. He says in, to the Philippians, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, he says, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. He says there, for His sake, for Christ's sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Paul had made this commitment to himself and commitment to his Lord <clears throat> that he wanted to know Christ above all things, no matter what the cost, no matter if he didn't know the way out of the struggles he was in, he still wanted to know Christ. He says in verse 9, Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Paul's pain, the despair that he felt, felt like a death sentence. And some of you have been there. Some of you have had that kind of pain. Some of you have been through that kind of struggle. It's easy to let that kind of pain become all-consuming. It's easy to allow it to just to simply cause you to draw into yourself and kind of curl up into your own little ball and say, woe is me, this is where I am. But instead, Paul remembered, this feels like a death sentence, but then he remembered, God raises the dead. God, God raises the dead. He raised Jesus from the dead. And if he was able to do that, if he's able to raise Christ from the dead, then he's able to raise me up from my despair. He's able to raise me from death. And that's a greater promise than simply trying to believe that God will not give you more than you can handle. Because in those moments when you cannot handle any more, that's when we're called to build trust. To build trust upon trust. There's an interesting dichotomy that's happening here. And I love chapter 1 in 2 Corinthians. There's an interesting dichotomy that's happening between Paul's experiences, which we're reading in verses 8 through 11, and the blessing that Paul offers in verses 3 through 7. I love that blessing, and I've read it to you many, many times. I, I find myself going back to the blessing here in 2 Corinthians 1 over and over again. But as Paul shares his experiences in verses 8 through 11, he is raw. He is honest. He says, we thought we were dead. We thought we were done for. We, was, we were gone. There was no hope. 
But having experienced that, he's able to give them this blessing. Look at verse 3. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves have been comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. I want to submit to you, you don't get to that kind of trust, you don't get to that kind of comfort without suffering, without knowing suffering. And Paul realized that his sufferings, his despair, it wasn't just for him, but it was for others, so that others could learn from what he experienced. He says in verse 10, He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope that He will deliver us Again, I love it when you guys tell your stories. In fact, I love telling your stories for you. I tell other people about you guys. I tell them about your stories. I love to tell stories about Joe Harmon. I love thinking about the conversation that Joe and I had sitting on the couch when Joe had been diagnosed with cancer. And uh, Joe and I were praying. And as we prayed, for some reason, I prayed, Lord, no matter what, healing or not healing, Lord, we want you to be glorified. And a few days later, Joe and I were talking again, and he says, you know, I was thinking about that prayer of yours. I thought, uh-oh, he was paying attention. And he said, that's what I want. He says, more than anything, more than healing, I want God to be glorified. And it was maybe a month later, last conversation I had with Joe. Joe couldn't speak. I was standing there talking to him, and as I got ready to pray, I said, Joe, do you still want God to be glorified? Do you still want that more than anything? And he looked up at me, and he shook his head, yes. That's what he wanted. He wanted God to be glorified. That's why we tell his story. So God continues to get, be glorified through what Joe experienced. I think about Bill Carrion. I think about a conversation I had right back there with him about a month ago when Bill says to me, I'm 72 years old. <laughs> I have nothing to complain about. No matter what happens, no matter what God does, I have nothing to complain about. If this is my lot, I'll take it. And I think about that, and I asked Bill at the time. You can confirm with him. I said, Bill, um, can I tell people that? And he says, you can tell them anything. I'm like, okay, maybe I will tell them anything. <laughs> of course you can tell others, because he wants God to get the glory. And I think about the Apostle Paul. Just three chapters later, three chapters after writing this in, in chapter 1, we go into chapter 4, and Paul writes this, we are afflicted in every way. Same wording. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed. How many of you today are perplexed? Are you perplexed? I'm perplexed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. Well, he just said he was despairing of life, didn't he? Well, he says we are perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, 
so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Somehow, in three chapters, Paul went from feeling totally abandoned to the realization that he had not been destroyed. He didn't get there because God went easy on him. He didn't get there because he, God finally heard him say uncle and, and God lightened, uh, lightened up. You understand that, right? He didn't get there because God went easy on him. We tell our stories to build trust. We tell our stories to build trust in ourselves and in others and as a reminder that God got us through this. He's taken us this far. He will see us through the rest of the way. We have to tell our stories. We have to share our experiences, even, even the worst of them, because that's where we build hope. That's where we build trust. If God gives you more than you can handle, if God gives you more than you can handle, I want to know about it so I can help you handle it so I can bear it with you, so that we can build hope, so that we can build trust. Because in those moments, what you have to realize is you never have to bear anything alone. I uh, mentioned it in our prayer time. This past week, we've been in prayer for our friends at Camp Ileana over there in Washington, Indiana. Camp Ileana is a very important ministry. For a lot of us, that's where we first met God. That's where we first encountered Christ. For so many of us, even as a counselor, we'd go back year after year and we would get this fresh encounter. We'd have this time of just rejuvenation and, and kind of a little mini revival every time we went to camp. This past week, Monday, last Monday morning, while trimming trees at the camp, the camp director was killed. A tree fell. Dead part of the tree fell out. Killed him instantly. It was a, it was a devastating loss. And our prayers have been with the, the family, this family. Our prayers have been with the, the broader family of the camp, the people who are involved in the camp. Our prayers have been with the, the campers as well. Mercifully, thankfully, the campers were not there. The campers were on another side of the camp, inside a building when this happened. None of the campers witnessed this, and that's, that's a, a mercy from God. But Monday afternoon, when they made the announcement of what had happened, they had their press release. The very first sentence in what they wrote was this. Camp Ileana has been given a very tough trial. By, Camp Ileana has been given a very tough trial by God today that we must come together in order to persevere. Did you hear that? We must come together in order to persevere. Your perseverance isn't about how tough you are. Your perseverance isn't about how much you can take, how much you can handle alone. Not that, that you won't whine. Not that you won't suck it up and get over it. But rather, that you will share it. You will share your load so that others might know Christ. You'll share what you've been given so that others might know His strength. They might know His grace. Paul says in verse 11, you must also... Help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessings granted us through the prayers of many. We must come together in order to persevere. Are we willing to learn that? 
You don't learn that until you've been given more than you can handle. You don't learn that until you've had to bear with someone else because they can't bear it alone. Until you've shared that burden, you've shared that load, you've shared that pain. It comes a point when I have to realize if my pain, if my burden is drawing me, it draws someone else closer to God, then for His sake, I will suffer the loss of all things so that they might know Christ. I will count myself as rubbish to tell the story of His grace. Will I be okay with that? Will I be okay if I allow God to use me by breaking me? I believe something happens when we give ourselves over to God's purpose. He doesn't lighten us. He doesn't lighten up the load. He doesn't go easy on us. He doesn't decide that we've had enough and and He's going to take it easy on us from now on. Instead, there is the realization within me that there are some things that are more important than my comfort. There's some things more important than me having an easy life or having everything I could want. Something more lasting. Something that has a greater effect. You see it in the Apostle Paul. You know, you start here in verse 8. And he says, we were burdened beyond what we could bear. We thought we were dead. And then you get to chapter 4. In verse 16, he says, so we do not lose heart. Though our outward self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not only to the things that that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Those burdens that felt like a death sentence in chapter 1 didn't become light and momentary afflictions in chapter 4 because God suddenly went easy on Paul. Because God let up changed because Paul saw a greater perspective. It changed because Paul was able to see past his pain, to see past his suffering, and see that God was telling a greater story through him. Same story he's telling in you. Same story he was telling in Frank. Last few weeks of Frank's li- Frank Vale's life, if you were to stop by and say, Frank, what are you doing? What would Frank say? I am basking in the glory of the Lord. Something changed there, didn't it? That wasn't the same guy we knew before. Frank didn't get there alone. Paul didn't get there alone. We don't get there alone. We get there with the support and the love that we have for each other. We get there because no matter what the trial we're going through, we're going to go through it together. One of my heroes of the faith, Rich Mullins, who wrote the song Step by Step that we are singing at the end today, Rich Mullins once said this, so go out there and live real good and I promise you, you'll get beat up real bad. But in a little while after you're dead, you'll be rotted away anyway. It's not going to matter if you have a few scars. It will matter if you didn't live. God not only wants you to live, He wants your life to be a story of His grace. More than a story of your success, more than a story of any comfort that you have, maybe it'll be a story of what you lack and a story about how you need Him more than anything else. The song we're going to sing here in just a moment is uh, 
Well, it, it sounds a little counterintuitive to what I've just talked about. But I think it's the place where we all have to start. If we start with our pain, that's all we ever see. If we start with, with our lack, if we start with our burden, if we start with just how much God has laid on us and, and how much we can't take, then that's all we will ever see. We have to start someplace else. We have to start with what we know. We have to start with what is always true. And what is always true is that God is good. When we start there, then no matter what He gives us, no matter what we carry, we have to carry it realizing that, yes, God is good. So we're going to stand together and sing this song as just an affirmation to ourselves and to God that no matter what He brings our way, He is good. Mm -hmm. 